It's time for Done Being Single with your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Sharp. If you're dating the same type over and over again, making the same mistakes and not finding love, then you're not done being single. What you need is some tough love dating intervention, Trevor and Robbie style. Whether you're new to dating or have been dating forever, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Sharp. Thank you so much. I'd like to thank thank Shadow Stevens. I'd like to thank the Academy. Um, And I'd like to thank everybody for joining us um, at Done Being Single. And I'd like to wish everyone a a happy St. Patrick's Day. Ah, yes. Happy St. Patrick's Day. And I'd like to take this moment just to honor my Irish roots. For those of you who don't know, my mother was born in Northern Ireland as were her five sisters, wow, that's right. and I am a first-generation American, and um, in honor of my my homeland, I've brought a little surprise for us to enjoy. Wait. Oh, wow. Yes. Some Guinness already. I brought it's, it's after some Guinness. Summer. Yes. Really? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, okay. That is a... Mmm. So... Uh, cheers! A long day today. Cheers, and um, cheers, love you. you can kiss my Blarney Stone. <laughs> so, mm. Mm. wow, she did that. Um, nice surprise. Today's today's episode is devoted to deal breakers, drinking online, and and drinking, and um, I have a few things to say about deal breakers, and I know that Robbie does too. I'm a big fan of deal breakers, mm. um, but there are good deal breakers and bad deal breakers. And I, I think today we're going to um, distinguish which is which, which are the good kind, healthy kind, positive kind, and the other kind, which I think are just big fat cop-outs and excuses. Um, so I want to ask you, Robbie, when you were single, mm. I know you um, you are a man of many deal breakers. <laughs> no, and uh, really. I'm interested to hear what were a few of yours. Well, uh, I think uh, as a guy, as a single guy uh, who was dating a lot, uh, deal breakers became uh, they, they kind of evolved from superficial type things, and uh, maybe bad sex is not that superficial, but. Uh, that actually became a little bit of a deal breaker. Uh, personal hygiene, <clears throat> uh, areas mm-hmm. of that. Uh, then I gravitate Without, towards the hygiene. Uh, were those grounds for dismissal? Uh, immediate. Immediate? No, not immediate. Uh, because uh, you have to kind of chalk it up if it's just one. Okay, so what if, if what if it was just the hottest chick and and you're digging on her yeah. and you're digging her and she's a little you know. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay. I would say that um, after uh, a few times where there was an improvement, uh, then uh, that discussion would take place, and it wasn't always uh, a, a fun conversation, as you can imagine. Did it ever get better? Uh, once I got out of it, yes. Okay, so that's a that's a deal breaker. Uh, unfortunately, that and was especially a deal if it doesn't improve. And I can chalk some but, of I mean, it up nice to my to, nice of you to uh, give her a heads up. Well, if that's the <laughs> word you use. <laughs> it was more heads down than that, but or yes. Or nose plugged. Um, mm, uh, I you think, think if you just plug your nose, she would get the hint. Uh, well, I tried a, a Jacques Cousteau mask, and it didn't really work <laughs> either. So, uh, but. Um, 
I had to chalk some of that up to my own immaturity and my own youthfulness and just thinking that, okay, that something's wrong and um, let's move on. Okay. Uh, what so, else? What other deal breakers? Uh, I, I'm, I'm conscientious of women that are not nice and that are mean or not friendly and do things and uh, are not appreciative of uh, simple things like um, – being in a restaurant and not being nice to waiters and, and mm. help and, and things like that. So I, I, those things registered with me. I don't know if it's a deal breaker as much, but uh, I think that uh, for me, it may be an accumulation of little disappointments that become a deal breaker for a person. And were these deal breakers after one date, two dates or more? Mm. It was different for everybody. There's no set time limit there um some uh never even got to a second date so i just you know you just realize it's something's not right did you, did you no ever say to yourself you know uh there's enough in here i like i i'm going to try to just tough it out or power through it and see if it gets better yes i mean you know we're, we're doing that now oh that's uh, hilarious <laughs> okay all right i'm oh, sorry that's we didn't fantastic. Mean that. okay you know what? Thank um, God I'm drinking again. We are drinking now. Because this is going to be a long ass hour. Yes, and tune in next week for Done Being Married. No, just kidding. That is not even true. But we, honey, um, deal breakers, uh, let, me, let me ask you this question. You know, what have you experienced that uh, were deal breakers for you? Uh, I think I was um, more of the equal opportunity. I think I, I mentioned this last week that I was more of an equal opportunity dater and my deal breakers weren't so harsh they weren't so severe I think uh as I got into my 40s um I think the biggest deal breaker I had was uh availability that was it that was pretty it I mean I, I wasn't if you didn't make a ton of money fine if you weren't you know a titan of industry fine if you didn't drive a family, whatever you know it wasn't I wasn't that superficial uh, but I was definitely as my needs changed I wanted someone who was completely free and clear and available and I should also say uh, emotionally healthy which you know again no one's perfect but some people are more perfect than others I guess in that regard so if a guy wasn't available I and that's something you don't really know until just like you know if he wasn't if he wasn't hung up on his you know not over his ex mm, that's a big one that is a deal breaker and and you you'll know fairly soon if someone's still sort of pining for their ex uh, if someone wasn't altogether healed from their divorce and you again, if you're smart uh, and you're perceptive and you're watching and you're observant, you will see that that person is just not entirely healed yet. And that was a deal breaker for me. And then um, I would say if someone, oh, automatic deal breaker was, oh, I'm separated. No separated men. Even if it's separated for a couple I, years? And I matter. really struggled with this because there were, you know, I'm in my 40s. This was my dating pool. Everyone else was in their 40s and 50s. And, you know, if they weren't married, they were either getting divorced or separated. So, you know, I kind of had uh, sort of, I wasn't, um, it's slim pickings, you know. And so 
but I got, I was so burned so many times by separated guys. The divorced ones I would give a little slack to because I thought, well, you know, it takes a while to kind of work it out of your system. And, and in good faith, they seem to be making the effort. But uh-uh, the, the, the divorce guys were complete red flags, uh, radioactive. Separated divorce. Excuse me, separated guys. Deal breaker. Automatic. Wow. Bye-bye. Call me in six months. That was how I would deal with that. Do you think that's common amongst other single women? I think that women don't have a, a strong enough deal breakers or boundaries when it comes to, ava- to men who are uh, available or not available, as it were. I think, and it's really hard because... I will tell you, uh, you when you meet someone who is kind of vulnerable, they're sweet, they're a little broken, kind of damaged. I, they, you know, it's tempting. You want to help them, you want to fix them, you want to rescue them, repair them, which is the worst thing you could ever do. And that is why I say, sign of the cross up to separated guys. You've got to give them, and women, and women too, men out there, give them some room to breathe. If it is real and if it is something that could be something, let them work their work. Let them, you know, process what they need to process because the last thing you want to do is get involved with someone who has still got some stuff going on. So that was a deal breaker for me. But other than that, no. But with that said, I know there are a lot of men that – that have deal breakers when it comes to women who want to get married. And we talked about this last night. Women, uh, I know this because I dated enough of them. There are a lot of men out there that when they meet a woman and they know she wants to get married, they can smell it a mile away if they don't say it, you know, directly. And I think that's a deal breaker for men, especially for, for divorce guys who don't want to jump right back in. And that's, that's a legitimate deal breaker. And, you know, as I said, um, at the outset, there are good deal breakers, and there are bad deal breakers. And to me, good deal breakers are legitimate. They're self-protective boundaries. And and when you do have, when you do enforce a deal breaker, it says that you have self-respect. And a bad deal breaker, I don't know, to me, it's a convenient way to make excuses. And even, you know, on a deeper, more pathological pathology level it's self-sabotage mm-hmm. well do you agree with me yes i do okay I, i'm going to drink to that uh cheers me too. Cheers, uh, cheers i this you know what really guinness nice. i gotta tell you something about guinness <clears throat> that wasn't me because i'll tell you why it wasn't me because it doesn't have a lot of carbonation is that the deal with guinness it's it, a little it, flat it doesn't really need to have carbonation right it's not like bubbly like uh right. but it's it's very um oh. It's very filling. It is very nice. It's very nice. But it does bring up some. Oh, oh God. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. I thought so, you were going to say it brings up some issues. It does bring up some issues. <laughs> well, that's something else. Uh, so if uh, we're going to take a break in, a, in, in two minutes. Um, and uh, thank you. Our engineer, Josh, is just saying that Guinness uses nitrogen instead of carbonation. Okay. Which is, is that a it? Wonderful thing. It makes it a little smooth. So, so I just want to uh, tell everybody who's coming up after the break. Um, the great Brian, Brian Howie. Uh, who is the host of the Great Love Debate World Tour and Great Love Debate podcast. And I know Brian is going to have a few things to say about deal breakers, and I cannot wait uh, because this guy has seen a few in his day, I'm sure. 
and he knows the dating world, and uh, it's going to be an interesting conversation because I know he's going to disagree with everything I just said. But I can't wait. I always need help with that. <laughs> I feel like I'm alone when I disagree with everything you say, but I I do it love. I love you, and I you love can, you you're too. allowed to disagree with I know. me. I You'll, don't. I, I don't want to. I will just but... you know punish you after the show, okay. but. You know, we look, we don't necessarily mind that either. All right. We are going to a break right now and we're going to come back with uh, Brian Howie. So stay tuned. Now back to done being single with dating badasses, Trevor and Robbie Sharp. Thank you, Shadow. All right. We are back. Um, okay. I want to introduce Brian Howie. And uh, who is an award-winning director, producer, and the author of How to Find Love in 60 Seconds. Wow. Uh, he's been the subject of features on Fox, ABC, CNN, Entertainment Weekly, The New Yorker, and Esquire. He is the host and creator of The Great Love Debate World Tour and The Great Love Debate Podcast, which has been the top-rated dating and relationship podcast on iTunes since 2016. That's Time Magazine has named him America's number one dating enthusiast. And guess what, ladies? Yep, he is still single. Brian. Welcome, Brian. Welcome, Brian. Yay. Okay. Hi, you guys. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. And you so, you know, what's everybody's first question? Why are you still single? And welcome to the club, because we were asked that a gazillion times when we were single. So why not? I Go ahead. The, Let's- I think the question's a compliment. I never understood why people are bothered by the question. They don't ask people that don't seem, at least on the surface, to be desirable. You know? <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it, I think it's a good thing. And my answer is always that the day's not over. So we'll see. <laughs> that is a good answer. noon here. So we'll see what happens. Depends where you're asked. I mean, if you're, you're asked at a... Uh... Uh, you know, a funeral, or if you're asked uh, late in the night and you look around and you're only at your, your parents' house. It's not... I so, think it's fine either way. As long as you own the answer and don't blame, you know, other people for your dating fate, you know, I, I don't like the, well, I just haven't met the right person yet. I always say that you probably haven't been the right person yet, and that's your reason, wow. and I'm one of those people. Wow. Or I was. Very good. I'm, I'm Is okay that, did you learn that at, during your these journeys as you are in the dating world, or did, did you know that before? No, I learned that uh, from doing these great love debate shows all around the world and listening to people and hearing things that they were experiencing or feeling that I was not. And I thought, well, dating was always pretty easy for me, and you know, I could always have a girlfriend, but I wasn't going to that sort of scary, put your chips all in the middle of the table place that I think you needed to go. And so, you know, I had to start doing the work and, uh, like everybody else probably needs to do. That's where the answers lie. If you, if you're still single after a certain point. Uh, I agree. And, uh, that seems to be a recurring theme throughout our shows is that the work is it's, it's, it has to be us. We have to do our own work on ourselves in order to be the most attractive we can be to someone else. And yeah, you uh, have to own your weaknesses and you have to work on them and you, have, and you have to respect what it is about you that may not be where you need it to be or what somebody else may need it to be. And, you know, that could be everything from therapy to fitness to you know, time management to any kind of thing that's probably to, to not noticing 
you know, the opportunities around you every single day of your life. And so that takes a lot of self-discipline and training and work and, and mostly self-analysis. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't come easy to everybody or they, they kind of uncover it uh, in themselves at different times in their lives. So yeah, with, I mean, with this, yeah. with the subject of deal breakers, uh, I know you have some opinions here. Uh, share. Well, my my only deal breaker was has always been that she doesn't like me. If she doesn't like me, you know, that's probably a problem. Everything else is negotiable, you know. But I sort of say that as a joke. But most people, when they bring up deal breakers to me, if I press it they come down to their either excuses or preferences. You know, we do a segment at our Great Love Debate live shows when we're on tour all over the place, and I ask people to name their must-have or their absolute no-way deal-breakers. And generally speaking, almost without exception, if I ask a follow-up question, well, what about this? Well, what if this happened? There's some wiggle room on there. And, my, and I'm, so I'm always like, that's not a deal-breaker if you say... My deal breaker is that I need that I need that they went to college, and I'm like, well, what if they dropped out of MIT and and made a billion dollars at 19? Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I could work with that. <laughs> well, what if they weren't five nine? What if they weren't uh, Jewish? What if they, and every, you know and and the more you press people on that, people have these lists of eight or nine or twelve things that they think they they want, but really, if they had to make a list. It's probably thousands of things, and they're just cherry-picking a handful. And if you press people on that, you realize that lots of people want to come up with excuses of the why they're either single, single again, or single longer. And, and uh, they're trying to put the burden on the people around them versus themselves, and that's why they create deal-breakers. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with me that there are good deal-breakers and bad deal-breakers? Well, I mean, if you want to just sum it up like this, there's only three deal breakers for men and there's three deal breakers for women. And everything that you can name is either a subset of or tangential to one of these three things. So I heard you say what your deal breakers were before, like separated, uh, things like that. Every single woman really only needs three things in a relationship or in a potential relationship. And if she doesn't have one of these three things, that's your deal breaker. A woman needs a man who makes her feel special. She needs a man who makes her feel sexy. And she needs a man who makes her feel safe. And safe is the tough, tough one. That's about trust and sharing and honesty and vulnerability and all the things that are a little bit more difficult to a man. So when you say separated is my deal breaker, it's really not feeling safe and not just physically is your deal breaker and pretty much any other thing you can put into, you know, people are a little too, uh, too micro about naming it when they got to pull back. And it's really about what does it make me feel? If you do not have those three things in your relationship or the feelings that those three things bring along, those are your deal breakers. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 and that applies to me. For sure. That applies to you. Most of those yes. probably fall into the category of safe or special, you know? And, and that's so when people are like, I, I tell people to stop looking for characteristics and start looking for well, what are the purpose of those characteristics? What do you need? A lot of women are like, I need a guy who makes me laugh. No, you need a guy who gives you the feeling that laughter gives you. 
And there's some other ways to get that besides pure sense of humor. And so they don't look at it quietly, quite accurately in the way that they should to pull back. So it's special, sexy, safe. You need to have those three things in your relationship. Every single woman needs to have those three things. And if you don't have one of those three things, well, that's your deal breaker. It's not about, it's not about height and religion and eating habits and physical. It's, it's about what those things make you feel. So it's both what you need and if you don't have them, those are your deal breakers. On the uh-huh. men's side, men need women who make us feel admired, respected. They need somebody who makes us feel appreciated, and they need somebody who makes us feel needed. And in 2018, that's the tough one because the women don't need us anymore. <laughs> so when you talked about uh, I, the hygiene thing, well, it's mostly about respect. or right, That really is what that comes down to because that can be fixed. You would think if she cared about you in a certain way and you presented and communicated that in a certain way, you could probably solve that problem. I don't know if she was chronically hygiene challenged. So just about everything on the men's side, if the men are getting those three things out of, uh, or they're not getting one of those, well, there's your deal break. Would you say that's, does that apply to you? Does that resonate with you? Yes, it does. I mean, I think that he's hitting on some points that uh, it's so easy for all of us to pick a superficial thing, but it's really the, uh, it's much deeper than that on these, on these basic things that we really have these needs, but we, we gravitate towards something that's very simple to kind of grab onto and use that as an excuse. And, yeah, it's uh, how these superficial things or these characteristics manifest themselves. And that's what people need to to focus on. It's very easy to cherry pick. Like, I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like blondes. I don't, you know, whatever, you know, everybody's answer probably lies outside their comfort zone, but those three things on either side are your comfort zone. And that's not going to change for men or women anytime soon. So you got to look at, well, what are the characteristics in another person that will make me feel though that way? And if you start focusing on that versus these random checklists of these are the nine things I want, you know, you're basically chasing a fantasy in that case. Yes. And I, I think that women um, uh, are delusional if they make these lists of uh, not deal breakers, the other one, the other way, making lists like a wish list the things that they want in a guy. And I have more to say on that um, at the end of the show. But I, I do think that, first of all, I think that everybody should have the ability to make, them fel- make themselves feel safe and, and special and wanted inside themselves. That is where I go when I counsel single people. Because ultimately, it has to start with yourself. And you can't, you know, it's, it's uh, tricky if you're going to try to look outside of yourself to make yourself feel all those things. So that's where I would start. Well, I've I heard was, that. You know, I've heard the self-love argument a bunch of times, and I hear you have to be. But I don't believe you're ever going to be whole, complete without that other person. I think that we're always on a journey of evolving, and maybe you can get yourself about 80% there, but the right relationship, the right circumstance, the right person can put, take you that last 20% or 10% or 40% or whatever you need and fill in those things. And so I do think that you're basically, the work you're doing on yourself is preparing you and setting the table for this other person to join in. 
So I don't think anybody, I don't think we're wired that way that on my own, I get all of those feelings to the maximum capability. I just, I don't think so. And I don't think we're, we're physiologically or emotionally wired that way. I think you take yourself most of the way mm-hmm. and that makes mm-hmm. it easier to find the person to take you the rest of the way. Yes, uh, but I, I do believe that there's work involved, and you said it in the be, in the beginning um, that, and I don't know what you said about going inside or doing the work or, or uh, something you said to Robbie, but I I really um, I advocate for advocate for that doing the self work is so important because then you're I don't know some somehow your deal breakers aren't so many maybe, and your your wish list isn't so so big. That the more you find it in yourself, the better, I guess, and less pressure you put on the other person. So when you when you see, okay, so when you go to when you have these um, events, these debates, and you listen to these ridiculous uh, expectations that women have, or these really harsh deal breakers, how do you what do you say to them? Drop it, let well, them go. How you do know, you- I, I you know I think that these are all generally. The women are afraid of being hurt and the men are afraid of being rejected. And uh, so these deal breakers will come up a little too, a little quicker than we, than uh, they probably should or, or uh, the way they need to because people are always looking to pull the emergency chute and get out of any situation. Mm-hmm. Everybody's looking for red flags and not looking for green lights. And that's the biggest problem with all of us. We are uh, basically bypassing every a lot of opportunities every single day of your life out of fear of either something that happened in the past or something that could happen in the future because it's not exactly the way we imagine it to be in our minds. People are chasing a fantasy when as they focused on reality, things are right in front of them every single day. Um, uh, this author, Lori Gottlieb, I don't know if you know her. You should have her on your show. Yes, we're uh, having her on our show. She's coming on the show. have her on the show. Okay. She, I am. She has a a philosophy that, and, and she's right, that if you gave a woman, told her to list 10 things that she wanted and said, I'm going to give you eight of those 10 things and a guy, she's going to look at it like, I have to settle. Whereas if you gave a man 10 things and said, you can have eight of them, he would think, oh my God, I can have eight out of 10. Awesome. I won. <laughs> exactly. Great. And it's a, it's a really fundamental different perspective between yes. men and women in, in sort of the, the optimism of that. However, in 2018, especially in the last six months since a lot of the Me Too started and a lot of this stuff, the already uh, pretty big disconnect between the men and the women is now in a very scary, dangerous place where a lot of men and a lot of women are basically just dropping out of the conversation altogether wow. and saying it's not worth it. And that's, that's a very alarming thing. And that trend is not going in the right direction at all. Um. Well put. Uh, okay, we have to go to a quick break right now, but uh, we're going to bring Brian back and uh, have more of our show. So we'll see you in another minute. Though. And now, back to Dunding Single with dating badasses Trevor and Robbie Sharp. Okay. Okay, welcome back. <laughs> we are, yeah, it's... Uh, okay, this segment was brought to you by Guinness. Yes. Guinness Route. They don't, they don't know it, but they are getting a free plug. Um, okay, we're back with the great debater, uh, the master debater, Brian Howie of The Great Love Debate, and um, he's with us still, and I think we've got a caller who wants to talk about, wants to talk deal breakers. 
Annie, are you on the phone? I'm here. Hi, guys. How, how are you? I'm good. How about you? We're great. Thank you for calling in. Thank you what, for having what, me on the show. So I just wanted to say that I only heard the tail end of what you guys were talking about because I was rushing to get back home. And I fully agree with Brian about uh, a lot of people, you know, using the emergency chute and uh, instead of, you know, having green lights, you know, putting up, uh, you know, like a guard or whatever. But there are some deal breakers that I think can't be negotiated for me anyways. I mean, maybe, you know, for other people it's different, but this is what happens when girls sit around and start talking about dates and deal breakers. These are some of the things that come up. So uh, let's hear it. fire away. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's hear them. And uh, if you want to leave space after each one, if Brian, you want to chime in, feel free. Or... Okay. Yeah. Um, but I totally agree with you, Brian. And I think that uh, even the list of, you know, eight things, I personally would be very happy even with seven things, but uh, I know that people say I don't want to settle, and I get that. But uh, anyways, these are things that are deal breakers for me and some of my girlfriends. Guys that um, are divorced or not divorced, they're separated, and they're still living at home with their wife. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's me, a that's good a one. deal breaker. Um, oh, yeah. It's happened to me. It's happened to some of my girlfriends, and... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's okay. What do you think, Brian? Well, I mean, that's sort of what we talked about earlier. It's not necessarily about the circumstance, because I'm sure I could paint a picture of a situation that fulfilled those requirements that you would be like, yeah, actually, that I could probably live with that. Maybe you didn't hear the part that, because you were rushing to get here. I didn't. I'm sorry. Did it include single, crazy ex-wives? <laughs> same thing. Every single thing that you can list is one of three things. It's that you either don't feel special, you don't feel sexy, or you don't feel safe. Crazy ex-wife would make your, you, you feel unstable in this situation. That's about feeling safe. So, you know, you could probably list thousands and thousands of things that fulfill what the crazy ex-wife or what not divorced yet means or what he's a chain smoker things, but it really comes down to those three things. If you do not feel special and you do not feel sexy and you do not feel safe with this person, then that's your, uh, not just a deal breaker, but that means this relationship is flawed and you don't need to be in it any longer Agreed. or get into 100%. it any further. So the other thing, um, being divorced for a long time and dating for a long time and having several wonderful long-term relationships, I find that after I turned 50 a year ago, um, because of all the apps and all the dating sites, it's just not as easy for me or my girlfriends because I find what happens, and this is one of the deal breakers, um, and it happens with women as well, that guys and girls are seeing or interacting with more than three people, and you don't feel special. You, you, know, you feel sort of insecure because you don't know what's going on, and for me, I always say, if you have to choose, then I'm not the one. But a lot of times that, you know, you get into these situations, if you're on these apps where people are interacting with three, four, five people, and um, to me, that's a deal breaker. What do you think about that? 
Well, that's, again, because you did not feel special, but you need to move it off of the app as quickly as possible because if you're still engaging on the app or you know that they're still on the app, then you haven't done a good enough job of moving it to the real world. We always say that the best dating site is Earth, and we mean that. So once you get into a situation where you are uh, engaging with this person you know, one-on-one or dating them or whatever, you can no longer blame the app because the app should not be a part of your life anymore. So it's really, you know, we blame the technology now, but the technology is not really what the problem is. The technology is just a reaction to, in 2018 and over the last sort of 15 years or so, there's been this blurring of the traditional dating gender roles, and that has led the man to feel a little bit like, I don't really know my place here, and so I need to just keep, you know, casting a net out to as many possibilities as possible till I find the one that gives me the feedback that I want. And so we're using the technology to hide behind our basic fears and our basic uh preferences and all these kind of things, whereas the tech, we can't blame the technology for what we're doing. Does that make sense? Yes. Well, that's a perfect segue to my next deal breaker. <laughs> Texting instead of talking. So a lot of times I always um, suggest, could we talk on the phone and, you know, to move it off of the um, app or, you know, private message, whatever, because I think it's important to talk and hear the person's voice and to connect. And a lot of guys, and I'm sure it happens, you know, vice versa, uh, want to continue texting. And it's like, you know, sometimes I'm thinking, whatever happened to rocking at old school and just picking up a phone and talking to somebody? But I find that um, well, a lot of people... I'm one of those guys. Are who, you? Who per- yes. And I'll tell you why. The reason for it is, just like now, if you went and sat down and you wrote something longhand with a pen and paper, your penmanship is not nearly as good as it was 20 years ago because you don't do it as much. Mm-hmm. It's the same with the phone. So because a phone call is rarer and it's not something we really do as much, we're not as good at it, a lot of men feel that I'm not as strong on the phone as I am texting or even in person. And the phone is sort of no man's land. <clears throat> um, you know, mm-hmm. And so yeah, there's got to be ways that we, we can get better at doing that again. But I don't think it's just, you know, that, that they don't understand about feeling the, hearing the voice or whatever. A lot of people just aren't as, and this is women too, are not as comfortable. And especially, you know, under 30, people think a phone call is insane. They don't want to be part mm-hmm. of a phone call. <laughs> you know, they think it's bizarre. <laughs> like, are I, you in the hospital? Why are you calling me? It's a very strange thing. And so not everybody feels exactly the same way about a phone call. I still believe if you want to ask somebody out, you call and pick up the phone. But I'm a guy over 40, so that's the way I'm wired. Not everybody thinks that way. Well, you're you're also of a certain, you know, you just said it, people under 30, you know, millennials, it's just, it's way different. But I, you know, you're, you're talking to two old people over here, you know, the Altacockers here are old school. We're very traditional. I say, pick up the phone, (laughs) stop hiding behind your text. Nothing replaces the the personal touch of a voice. I mean, you just can't, you just have it's about a personal preference. So if, if you, you basically have to treat it like it's a business situation. Business situation, you'd say, my preferred method of contact is X. So if you do prefer the phone call, you not only have to express that that is what you really like, you have to create an environment where both parties are going to be confident that this is going to be even more fun, more engaging, more playful, more entertain, more enlightening of each other about that, not just 
text sucks. I don't like texting. We need to do this. You have to paint a picture where the phone is going to be awesome. You know? Okay, so so, and, but you can I, train someone to do that. do that. You can sort of ex- you can uh, express a preference for more talk, less text, right? That's not necessarily a deal breaker. It's how you express a preference, though. I agree with okay. both of you. I totally agree with both of you. But some people just find it easier to text, and um, I agree with Brian. They're not as comfortable talking on the phone, and to me, that's sort of a deal breaker because they're. I feel like they're hiding behind their texting and uh, they're not confident and it kind of just shows me that, you know, that's sometimes how I know that I'm not interested because I think if somebody yeah, but, has balls, but they'll pick absolute. up the phone. That, that's not every single, sorry, like I'm doing this right now, I'm calling in, this is not my preferred uh, method of doing an interview because I think it's harder for me. You can't read body language, it's harder to engage in a in a conversation. It's just not as easy as certain thing. So if I have a choice, my first choice is in person. My second choice is texting. My third choice is phone. But if somebody uh, says, we're going to get to know each other a lot better if we do some phone time, then I'm like, let's do it. Let's fine. But you, they have to understand that you're going to have to hold my hand walking back into the phone world like it was 1988 again. And well, that's that's, cool. that's, that's unfortunate because that. I, I am, uh, I'm kind of with Annie here in that uh, texting to me is not a, the, my best forum, uh, I think, for my personality. So I want I, – I, it can't come through in a text uh, as easily. And so I would much rather speak, whether it's on the phone, in person, of course, than uh, do well, anything. Well, all the things get taken out of context. I mean, I've had somebody misunderstand – I'm sarcastic sometimes. Yes. And I've had somebody misunderstand, you know, me being witty or sarcastic, and things get taken out of context. So. Totally agree. The more ways we have to communicate these days, the worse we are at it. I agree. But that's probably not a deal breaker. It's something you have to negotiate, work around, grow, do all these things. You know, in the first three dates or the first 30 days of knowing somebody or whatever, if you can get through that, you probably will get to a place where the phone is more normal or whatever is more normal. You just have to get in sync on communication, and that takes some time. It's not just like, oh, he drives me nuts, he'll never call me. I think eventually he will call you. It just takes some finessing. Okay. Mm, I agree, uh, but I've one... been in situations where the person would much rather text, and it drives me up the wall, and it just doesn't work for me. But I, I feel I, like I hear we what just broke saying, up, I agree. I have one more. We have one minute to break. I'm one of those people, but I think I can be, I think the right woman with the right uh, words and language or whatever could absolutely turn me into a caller. So I think that, you know, I always say that the women act and the men react. So if you put it in a positively reinforcing, fun, even sporting, challenging way, I bet you if you call me, this will happen. I'll pick up the phone. I'll do it. (laughs) So I think it's something that is not an absolute uh, just because somebody is, you know, maybe the last girl or the last guy only liked texting. Okay. So it takes a while to rewire, to get back into that, you know, swing of things. We all used to call all the time, but that was probably weird for a while when back in the 1940s, people were like, this guy just wants to call. He never comes over and knocks on my door. Like, you know, everything has to evolve with the technology and with a relationship. So I think that you can, if you know how to work through that with whoever you want to express your communication preferences, I think that that's not a deal breaker. And I think that you can finesse that to get um, what you, you want. You know, it's funny. Um, 
you guys actually would like each other Uh-oh. a lot. Um, there we go. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, it's not wouldn't be a, a, unusual to, to make a match here on Done Being Single. But you know, the problem <laughs> is that Annie does have a deal a deal breaker in that she doesn't date Scorpios. <laughs> oh Jesus! Is he a Scorpio? Well, I've heard so, that. So, and lot. I know There's you're a Scorpio, Scorpio, Brian. So, a oh well, you're right. SOL. Sorry. Okay, we're going to a uh, break. Um, stay with us. We also have another caller on the line that we're going to get to when we come out of the break. Annie, thank you so much for your call and your input. For it was most me valuable. Show. Bye, guys. All right. We'll be back in a minute. And now back to done being single with married couple and dating ass kickers. Trevor and Robbie Sharf. Okay, we are back, and uh, we actually have a segment that uh, gets lots of raves from our our audience, and it's called Tales from Dating Hell. Yes, and uh, we actually have a caller on the line. Uh, Beth, are you there? Yes, I am. Thanks for having me, and I've enjoyed listening to the Deal Breaker conversation, so thanks for that. So... What's going on, Beth? So I, I have I could probably write a book. I'm a writer, and I could probably write a book about my dating tales from hell. But here's one of my probably my worst ones. Um, I was I went on a date once for lunch. I met a guy for lunch who was a kind of a renowned music producer in L.A. And after our first date, he texted. I didn't really feel like he really felt anything, like he was into me or anything like that. But then he texted, "You're hot," which I, which surprised me. And then. Uh, we were going to go out to dinner, and then he texted me and said, can you do an enema first before we go to dinner? And that is a deal breaker. And oh, drink. my God. <laughs> Probably the worst, the craziest date you've ever heard. <laughs> what, if it, what if it was George Clooney and he requested that? Well, I already met him. <laughs> well, I know, but let's just say he looked like George Clooney and everything else is the same. Is that a complete deal breaker then, or is it just this guy? What? Sorry. Was is, it, that, is that a complete deal breaker? Is it just this guy? Unique to this guy? Or no, well, I mean, I think it, it's a cleared request before you go on a dinner date, a second it's, date. Yes. You think? Uh, wow. <laughs> did he it's think really, he was going to get, I guess there. he, did he think you were a lock that you were going to, you know, he was going to get lucky? I guess. I guess so. He was prepping you. <laughs> did, that, did he do a colonoscopy <laughs> prep too before you went on yeah, your Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't ask for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so how'd the date go? How was it? I didn't go on the second date. I didn't. I, that was that. That was that. Um, I figured if I needed some kind of medical prep, you know. Well, how did you respond? That's a deal breaker. A medical. Yeah, how'd you, how'd you well, respond? I that's not. Like well, I, I said, you know, I don't think this is going to work. And and he said, you know, it's it's. He'd never usually ask that because he's a. And I, he should know that I'm. I should know that he's a germaphobe, and he wouldn't ask that from everybody. So he liked me, and I was like, yeah, no. That's. Oh, so he tried to spin it as a compliment. Yeah, so I guess you're trying to make me <laughs> right. feel special <laughs> and safe, I guess. Okay. Wow, Beth, uh, <laughs> no, thank you for wow. that. That may be... Uh, you're welcome. That may Probably be, didn't make you feel sexy or safe, yes. No. <laughs> no, but it yeah. made him Well, I guess feel because he was better. a germaphobe and he was explaining that, he, that I was special. He wouldn't ask anybody that, but still. But if you're a germaphobe, <laughs> why would you want anal? I mean, that's like the worst I don't know. That's, that's also, it's, if you that's are, if you're question. a germaphobe, it's like. Well, he didn't want anal from just anybody. Yeah, he wants a clean exactly. anal. You know, that's and, obviously. And he, that's I mean, there's so many other ways to be a less, you know, germy places. Mm-hmm. Oh, my yeah. God. That's good, Beth. All right, that's, Beth. That's thank you fantastic. for that. That is great. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> thanks for the call. And call in again. I'm sure that's. Uh, I will. 
Wow. I will, definitely. Yep. Thank you so much. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> do you have anything else uh, that uh, you want to share? Well, I think I, I, I agree with Brian about those three categories of deal breakers. And I think that we tend to tell, talk about people that have been single a while as being overly picky. But I think that there are certain things that are deal breakers. And the biggest thing for me is safety. So if I don't feel safe with somebody, which I didn't obviously in that situation, that's a big deal breaker. And it's not something that changes. And also, you know, obviously the sexy part, because if you don't feel connected to someone physically, it's not, you know, it's not going to grow on you like a fungus. Like it, it, it doesn't have to be like they're George Clooney, but there has to be something that connects you chemically to somebody or otherwise you're just friends. You know, it doesn't, you can't create that or manufacture that. So I would agree Brian, with those, Okay, you know. Ryan, so I, I have a question for you. How do you get past your deal breakers? Well, there, there's well, I mean, breakers there, I mean again, you Hold understand on, what they're really about, first of all. And the biggest thing that I tell anybody that can do is get rid of three words. And those three words are not my type. If you're over 30 and you're still single, you have no type because your type's not working out for you. And if you're under 30, you don't know enough about what you like to form a type. Your answer probably lies outside of your imagined comfort Mm -hmm. zone. And so that will shed 90% of your perceived deal breakers right off the bat. Just get rid of those words. And what do you tell guys who are mostly visual uh, when you, when they're meeting someone, they go online or they go on Facebook, do you, do you, there's a part of me that I, I hate social media for that reason, because it, it already, when a guy sees a woman and it's not quote his type, it's just, it's, that's it. It's a deal breaker. I don't, so, I don't believe that. I think that's something that women uh, like to tell each other that men are mostly visual. Women are just as bad. And the swiping uh, statistics back that up. Men send 36 times more unresponded to messages than women do. So the men are trying to move it beyond the visual and into sort of a conversational, emotional, deeper place. And a lot of the women are not giving them the chance because they are judging the men on these superficial characteristics or appearances. So I think that, that uh, both sides are really guilty here, but the men get the, uh, the reputation as being the, uh, the ones who are looking at looks more. They're not. Well, I, I, you know, I don't know if that's, I mean, I think I've heard, I've, I used to work for a dating for, as an online dating coach kind of thing briefly. And the guy that I was working with said that men tend to just swipe right all the time because they just want to just throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks. So like, a, that's why you get messages that are saying, Hey, you're pretty. I'm willing to move across the country. And it'll be the same message that like a n- number of guys. Right. Say. Because they're, they're just, just trying to get a, a big response. net. They don't really. So they're basically casting a very wide net. Yeah. And hoping that he's right. And that's not really about superficiality. That's about opportunity. So the men are looking mm-hmm. like, where do my opportunities lie? If I send the same message, you know, a hundred times, a thousand women. if I send the, <laughs> the enema question a hundred times, seven are going to be fine with okay. it. You know, uh, so, yeah. guys, I, we have to, I'm I sorry. Lo- we, we have to, we have to wrap I'm so it up. Sorry. This is so great. Our I wish shows, we had an hour, an hour to minute, do this. It's so, so awesome. We have a couple of things. So we I just, just want to thank Brian thank and you guys. Beth. And Annie, in, and thank Annie, you so much. We're going to wrap it up. But you know what, Brian? We're going to have you on tip again. Tip of the week. Because oh, you're we fantastic. Have a, we have a quick tip. And then and I do have a tip. To... And uh, it kind of ties uh, everything up that we started with today. And it's about lists. It's about lists of either deal breakers or the or the wish list. And that, you know, we all do them of the qualities that you want in a, in a man or a woman. And I did it. I remember, uh, you know, maybe reading something in a Louise Hayes uh, uh, book about tape, make your list 
this, tape it to the inside of your medicine cabinet, read it every day, every day. If you read it hard enough, look at it hard enough, enough times, you will manifest your perfect partner. I did that. I know a lot of people do that. And I can just tell you right now, it's total bullshit. It does not work. And in fact, it may work against you. You are totally setting yourself up for disappointment if you think perfection exists because it doesn't. Throw the list out. You're making it too hard. Forget your demands and deal breakers and do yourself a favor. Make a list of all the things you want in yourself. Strive for that. Stop wishing and you'll start manifesting. And that's my tip of the week. We will see you next week where the topic is going to be. Online dating, are you a pro or a con? Thanks for joining us this week. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. Happy St. Patrick's Day. See you next week on Done Being Single. 